We have a guest today, Gareth Robinson, the rector of St. Philip's um, Chapel Street in Salford, the church that sent Sarah and I to come and revitalize this church here. Gareth's a great friend, um, and this church and this service particularly wouldn't really be here if it wasn't for Gareth, having worked with the diocese for years and years, having sent us uh, along with a lot of money and prayer and support in all sorts of ways. So we're really thankful to Gareth and glad that he's here today. Um, Gareth trains church planters all over the country. He's written a book called Stay and ripples which I encourage you to get hold of if you'd like to find out more about what it is to pioneer new things and plant new things for God's glory and we're here because we want to hear what Gareth's got to say he's a great speaker but also we want to say thank you to him for his generosity in releasing from St Philip's uh, lots of things which have made what we're doing here in Bury possible uh, our prayer back for them is that they're going to do that many times over of course uh, but for now we say thank you on our behalf so um, in a moment's time I'll ask you to give him a round of applause as he comes forward. But before we do that, let's read our Bible passage for today, which is Jonah chapter 2. So if you've got it, you might want to turn there, but I'll read it for us as we continue on in this series, Relent, looking at God's mercy through the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Lord, we thank you for your word and for its power. We thank you for Jesus, your son, and his glory. And we pray that through your word now, you will lead us to your son. That we'd all go away having met him face to face. Lord, we pray that you'd anoint Gareth's lips to speak your word. You'd anoint our ears and minds to hear, to take in, and to live out all that you instruct us. We pray now that you be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Should we give Gareth a round of applause as he comes to speak? Thank you. Thanks, everybody. It's good to be here, good to be with you. Um, thank you for the warm welcome. Get it? Because the heating's fixed. It's all right. Uh, we, um, at St. Phillips, our heating didn't work for the first winter that we were there. And we bought um, 
Uh, we brought everybody a blanket because what else are you going to do? Um, so we very much feel uh, <laughs> for you trying to make the heating work in a building which feels really cold and try to give people a warm welcome. But it's great to be with you. I bring greetings from Lizzie, my wife and I, uh, with dear friends of Simon and Sarah. So proud of them coming up here, planting into Berry. It's great to see some familiar faces as well, some faces I recognise uh, and some, meet some people I don't recognise as well. Well, lovely to be here um, with you. Bring you greetings as well from our church, St. Philip's um, in the centre of Manchester in Salford. Um, Caleb's come with me today to um, support the, uh, the everything that's going on here. A bunch of people wanted to come, but they're all serving at church. They were like, we'd love to come with you, but we can't because we're doing church. Uh, so Caleb's representing all those who would like to be here to support you and cheer you on in everything that God is doing in your midst here. And uh, Simon's asked me to speak about Jonah chapter 2. And what came to mind as I was reading <laughs> this story uh, again was uh, of, a, of a night a few years ago when Lizzie, my wife and I were driving back home. We'd only just recently moved to Salford. We'd previously been in Stockport, but we moved to Salford um, and we were driving home from down south. I can't remember what we'd been doing. Obviously, I'm from down south, so we might have been visiting my mum. I don't know. But we'd been driving a long time and we were both really tired. And we were driving up the M6 motorway. And I don't know if you've ever gone to Salford from the M6, um, but you come off and you have to go via the M62. Now, Google had told us to look out for the M62, so we were looking out for the sign, and the sign made it clear that the M62 was coming up. So as we were driving and trying to stay awake, tired and just wanting to go home, we turned onto the M62, that sense of, oh, we're nearly there. But we didn't know the turning particularly well. Because to get to Salford, from the M6 via the M62, you have to come off turning left and then very quickly join the next slip road so that you start driving towards Salford. Here, Lizzie and I driving in the car just longing to get home, look up and see the sign that says Liverpool this many miles and we're like no we just want to get home and I don't know if you've ever driven along that particular stretch of the M62 but there's a long way between that junction and the place where you can turn around but finally we got to the slip road we came up and went around the roundabout and went down to finally be going the right direction towards home that sense of delight and pleasure when we finally got there. That's what came to mind for me as I was reading through this story of Jonah because that, that going in the wrong direction and realising you're going in the wrong direction and then turning around to go in the right direction is what the Bible calls repentance. It's a big word that just means realising you're going in the wrong direction, turning around and going in the right direction, which is exactly what we see happening to Jonah. Not for him as he was driving towards Liverpool, but for him as he was sinking to the bottom of the sea and getting swallowed by a fish. How weird. 
And it says, doesn't it, in this first verse or so, that it was from the belly of the fish that Jonah called out in his distress. And as I read it, I was like, wait a minute. The reason you're in distress, Jonah, is your fault. Like that's the whole reason you're there. It's on you, mate, not anybody else. It was his own decisions that caused him to end up realising that he needed to turn to God. But what I love about this story is that, yes, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. And what? And he answered me. It's a little bit like Google saying, turn around to the next available option. Yes, all right, thank you. God's saying, I'm here for you. And I love that this story of repentance starts, yes, with Jonah's distress, where we're a bit like, yeah, mate, yeah, it's all on you. But that even though it was all on him, even though God had every right to say, you know what, you've done the opposite of what I've asked you to do. It's on you, mate. You've been chucked out. Great. It's time for you to get what you deserve. But grace, grace means we don't get what we deserve. And it's through the cross of Jesus that we understand what God's grace means to us. That we don't get what we deserve because he took what we deserve. The punishment that we deserved was put upon Jesus at the cross. It's what we're going to celebrate in a few weeks time when we get to Easter day. Recognize that Jesus has paid that price and won the victory over sin and death. How amazing. The good news of God's love for me. The good news of God's love for you. The good news of God's love for Barry is grace. He loves you. He loves the people of Barry. Sent Jesus to be the one who could make the way and is sending us to be the voice piece to share that grace with others. But more on that in just a minute. The next few verses as we read through Jonah show the process of repentance that he had gone through. I don't know if you've ever gotten to a point in life where you feel like you've hit rock bottom. But many people hit rock bottom and that's the moment when they realise something has got to change. And for Jonah, it was literally rock bottom, like the depths of the ocean. And it was at that point he recognised he needed to change. The words in the prayer of confession that are prayed in Anglican churches up and down the country help bring us, sorry, help us bring to the Lord the places in our lives where we've let him down or where we've let others down or where we've let ourselves down it's what the bible calls sin but we don't use the word sin very much anymore so I like to think about the places where we've let him down or others down or ourselves down the places where we've just not met the mark and it says Lord we're sorry for the places where there's been negligence where we've neglected to do something that we could have done or through our weakness, where we've just been too weak to be strong enough to do what we knew was right. 
<laughs> and then it says, or our own deliberate fault, Jonah. Our own deliberate fault, where we just couldn't quite be bothered to do the right thing or the good thing. Or we intentionally chose not to. And we say after this, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. And the thing is, we say that so quickly that we often forget that what we're actually inviting God to help us to do is to come off the slip road, around the roundabout and turn around and go back in another direction entirely. What we come to church for, to remember God's forgiveness, isn't so that we can just go home and carry on as if nothing's changed, but to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of conviction, is what the Bible calls it, to bring to mind those places where we have let him or others or ourselves down. Not to make us feel worse about ourselves, but so that we can know God's freedom and life and love. And this repentance from Jonah gives him God's perspective on all that has been going on. When we're convinced of our own rightness, we can't recognise God's righteousness. You see, repentance is always partnered with humility. The recognition that maybe we have been wrong and maybe that God sees things differently to us. And maybe it's us that needs to change, not God. I had a conversation last week with somebody who comes along to our church and the sermon, I hadn't been preaching, but the sermon was about the church and how sometimes we kind of fall out and it's difficult and we try to build relationships back. And this person said to me at the end, he said, I just find it so difficult when someone disagrees with me about something to do with faith or to do with God. And I can't, can't let it lie until I've, I've talked to them. I've, I've made them understand why they're wrong. And I went, oh, that's interesting. So what, what, what if you're wrong? And the thought had never crossed his mind. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge that we might be wrong and that God may be in the right. And verses 8 to 10 show us God's response to Jonah's humility, to Jonah's repentance. It shows us both from Jonah's perspective and from the Lord's perspective. In verse 8, Jonah recognises again the truth of God's rule and reign. He says, those who cling to worthless idols... Turn away from God's love for them. And I wonder, as I read that verse, in these days of distress, what are you clinging to for hope? We find it so easy to, to look for safety, maybe in our, our work, our, our job. Or maybe in our bank balance or maybe our retirement savings if we're newly retired or, or maybe we put our hope in political parties who are going to sort everything out or maybe we put our hope in good causes that's going to fix the problems we see around us and there's nothing wrong with any of those things that I've just mentioned. They're all good things but we can end up clinging to them and what God is calling us to do is to cling instead to him and allow those things to help us and to help us serve other people. But those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. 
yesterday I was doing some work in our backyard. It's not a very big backyard, um, but, and it's north-facing, so it gets all kind of green and lichen-y, you know. So got the power washer and was, like, cleaning it up, and I was listening to a podcast. I don't particularly know why I was listening to this podcast, but there it was. I was, and this particular person was talking about the Andy Warhol Museum. Anyone know of Andy Warhol? So the great artist, amazing pop art, incredible. And they were talking about the museum and how many of the items were on show in the museum, which were fantastic. But that's not what this guy was interested about. He was interested in going behind the scenes, behind the closed doors into the storage area. And what they found in the storage area were all these boxes that Andy Warhol had created going through his life of things that he had bought at different markets or created and he put them into these boxes and they were all there, not on show, but they were all there behind the scenes. And the guy whose podcast it was was asking the curators if he could look inside one of them and uh, they had to go and get permission because, you know, you're not really meant to open Andy Warhol's boxes because they're Andy Warhol's boxes. And as they came along, they got permission and, and they came with the, the tools that they needed and they, uh, and they started talking, these curators, in hushed tones. This is Andy Warhol's box. As they were doing this, they were telling the story about how it was so important to curate all of the things that Andy Warhol had once owned that all of the stuff that he had when he was going to the hospital, the final journey that he made before he was lying in hospital, all of that had been put in the box as well. So they had a box, and they were talking as if it was amazing. It's like we've got the jacket he was wearing, and the, and the jeans, and the things in his pockets, and the stuff that he had on his bedside table, and they're all in a box. Isn't that wonderful? And I was like, you've lost it. It's not wonderful. It's just the stuff he was wearing and the things in his pockets. The art that's on the walls in the Andy Warhol Museum, amazing. But these guys were clinging to the idea that by having this stuff of Andy Warhol's, they were connected to him. It was like the more that they knew about him, the more that they would know him. But the truth is they never will because Andy Warhol's dead. They wanted to know him, but they could only know about him. And then the podcast guy went on and spoke to one of Andy Warhol's friends who actually knew him. And it reminded me of sometimes the the mistake that we can make, that we can cling to things that seem so valuable, but actually forget that what God is asking us for is relationship. We can study the Bible, we can come to church, we can tick all the right religious boxes, but we don't know Jesus, we just know about him. And the reason we gather together is not just to think about God, but to encounter him as we sing songs of praise as we come in prayer as we share life with one another as we pray for each other and as we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives and it's that knowledge that relationship with God that comes through repentance that turning around back to him 
It means that we can have those good things, our work, our, our bank balance, our retirement savings, the political parties, the good causes. We can see all of these good things in the correct perspective, not clinging on to them, but clinging on to God while serving him using them. And it's why I think the discipline of fasting through Lent is so helpful because it helps us realize how much we cling to things, physical things. I'm trying to fast sugar through Lent. I didn't think I ate much sugar. But the moment that you are not allowed something, it's amazing how much you want it. I just want a Mars bar. Learning to say no, learning that discipline removes those attachments that we have to other things and turns us back to Jesus. And that's the ultimate fruit of repentance. Our hearts are recaptured with God's love and we recommit our lives to his service and then to the serving of others. If you've got your Bible open, look again at verse 9. It's the best verse of this whole passage. Because here, Jonah commits himself to worshipping and praising the Lord with a heart full of joy. My translation says this, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Wait, what? Wait a minute. Sacrifice is costly. Sacrifice is difficult. Sacrifice is hard. But Jonah's saying he's going to do it with joy, with grateful heart. And sometimes it's good to just be reminded of the power of God's grace to fill our hearts afresh with joy and with gratitude and with praise. And then from that place of praise... What I have vowed, I will make good. I'm going to take on disciplines to make sure that I do what it is that I say I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to become his disciple afresh. Jonah did it in the bottom of the sea, in a, in a whale, in a fish. We're invited to do it on a Sunday morning as we gather into God's presence. Recommit ourselves to worship recommit ourselves to being disciples of Jesus and then finally he says I will say salvation comes from the Lord we recommit ourselves to worship we recommit ourselves to discipleship to following Jesus and we recommit ourselves to mission to reaching out to others and sharing with others the good news of Jesus love for them Jonah makes these commitments as the response to the Lord. His grace meeting him in the fish. And what does God do? What's God's response? Well, the fish vomits him up. I love it. It's a little bit like God going, all right, Jonah, great. Go for it. I'm right behind you. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today, what he's saying to you today. 
in these hopes and these dreams you have of, of this church becoming revitalized, of standing strong in the good news of God's love for the people of Berry, of seeing these pews, well, filled and then possibly removed, but definitely filled, uh, just seeing people blessed with the good news of God's love and seeing them turn around back towards him. God's response when we repent, when we turn to him, as we say, all right, God, I want to recommit my life to worship, recommit my life to being your disciple, your follower, recommit my life to mission and reaching out to others. God's like, great, go for it. I am right with you. And I want to invite us all today to respond in the same way. Not, not like the fish, not vomiting. That's, I mean, great, if you need to, then fine. But, um, we'll take you to the hospital and get you sorted out. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying we can respond like Jonah. That because we're in the presence of one another, those who are seeking to honour Jesus with our lives, because we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the one who leads us into all truth, draws us close to Father God afresh each time we turn to him. Well, then this day, we allow his Holy Spirit to draw us, to recommit ourselves more fully to worship of God, to being his followers and being those who will say to others, salvation, that place of safety, that place of peace, that place that we're all longing for, salvation comes from the Lord and see what God might do with us if we say yes. Should we take a moment to pray? Lord, would you pour out your spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. As we turn to you. Lord, maybe we haven't made the kind of mistakes that Jonah has, and so we're going in completely the opposite direction. But Lord, we're not perfect as we've already prayed. And we're so grateful that you call us back to yourself with your astonishing grace and love. And so, Lord, it's not out of fear that we turn to you, but out of gratitude and with joy, we turn afresh to you this day. And just as we allow the Holy Spirit to touch us afresh, maybe ask him, Lord, is it, which of those do I need to recommit myself afresh to this day? Is it being one who will praise you from a place of gratitude and love and worship? Maybe you've been looking on the negative side of things, not able to see the positives, questioning God's love. Maybe just a refresher of worship is the diet that you need. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting you to recommit yourself to follow Jesus more fully. What I have vowed I will make good. 
leaving aside those worthless idols. Using them for good, but not for our great value. Finding that instead in the Lord. Or perhaps, perhaps what the Lord is calling you to do this day is to begin to share with your friends, those you work with, those you live nearby, those with whom you interact during the week. Hey, that, that safety, that peace, that love that you're looking for, salvation comes from the Lord. Help us, Father, to give ourselves afresh to you in worship, in discipleship, and in mission. That we might see your kingdom come in extraordinary ways, in Berry, and in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.